In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. All right, exciting times. We are going to be talking today mostly to you business owners, but also to some of you guys who are staff clinicians places, all about not catering to the 2%. And we're going to be hitting that. But before we do, Nicole, Pelvicon is like a couple weeks away. I think like, isn't it literally, this is going to drop on a Thursday. So it's literally like two weeks away. This is nuts. And we are in the midst of all of the preparations, all of the different things. It's kind of like running your own business in that once you have to have done something like this, and we've put on, you know, retreats for our rising group and some other smaller events. But man, once you do something like this, you realize that somebody has to make a decision and like do something with literally everything at a conference like this, which sounds like a duh moment, right? But somebody had to decide like what the centerpiece was, what the font on the badges are like, what ribbons to put on, like what color those should be. All of those things are like decisions that somebody has to make. Yeah. And now that we have to make, frankly. Right. Now it's like, oh gosh. And it's actually, it's Jessica and Andrew are freaking awesome. If you guys don't uh, know who they are, they're Jessica and Andrew Real of Southern Pelvic Health. They are the people that are putting on Pelvicon with us. We are co-founders of Pelvicon and it's been super cool. I mean, we all have opinions about stuff. So it's like four different personalities, four different opinions. And then, you know, sometimes it's me and Jessica saying one thing. And then sometimes it's me and Andrew agreeing. And sometimes it's Jessica and Jesse. And it's just really, it's fun to basically have four minds that are all trying to make the best conference possible. And then we come to an agreement on the thing that we've decided for Pelvicon, which is the best thing for you guys. Yes. So we are in the thick of all of that, but wanted to stop today and talk to you guys about catering to the 2%. And this is going to be something we'll, we'll dive into a little bit more about why this is such an important thing, especially for business owners, but also for you guys as clinicians. But the question I want to start with, how much mental effort and energy are you spending on the toughest 2%? How much mental effort and energy are you spending on the toughest 2%? And I will tell you, usually it's not 2%, right? You're not spending 2% of your effort on that 2%. You are spending 10%, 20%, 30% of your time thinking about the most challenging people on your caseload, on your schedule, in your business. And so I think one of the biggest barriers to a practice that works for us is the idea that our practice should work for everyone else but us, that Every, we have to cater to every single person who might want care. And once we start doing that, we start becoming enslaved basically to our business, to saying yes to everybody because we don't want to say no, 
even when we know that's the best thing for us and for our business. And we've run into this ourselves too, especially in the beginning, where either you don't identify that they're a two percenter or you still have this like yes man mentality to everything. And then you start to go down the rabbit hole of changing what you want your business to be like or changing a policy or or reacting to a request or a demand by then being like, well, then because this one person said this or did this or asked us this, now we should change everything to make sure that something like that either doesn't happen again or whatever. When actually that person's request, demand, question was an outlier question. And if we don't identify them as such, then we're changing a lot of our own ethos of our business based on something that we don't really want to be making a decision about. And once you start getting reps, you guys will start feeling this. You guys could probably already do this as clinicians if you've been doing this for a while. When you get kind of a weird vibe from somebody or that like something's just a little bit off, right? And I've seen a hundred people in this last month, and this is among the weirdest things that have happened to me, right? And you got to just, in some ways, be able to start to trust that instinct a little bit. And it gets, the stakes just get higher when you've got your own practice. Yeah, this is actually really funny because this always happens. Whenever we hire a new grad, (laughs) seriously, this has happened, I think, almost every single new grad we've ever hired where something will happen at the clinic clinically that's like in the top 1% or 2% of the weirdest freaking things that has ever happened to me. And I have 16 years of experience. And then they're like, oh God, their eyes get all big. They come to me and be like, oh my gosh, my patient just said this, or they just did that. And I'm like, what? And it's what's interesting about this and how this ties in, right? Is that they assume that that's how this is, how pelvic PT is going to be here at Pelvic Sanity. When I have to be like, oh my God, no, like that is one of the weirdest things I've ever heard happen ever. And this is, or this has never happened to me before. But if you don't have the reps to know that that was a two percenter, then you might make the wrong assumption about pelvic PT. Or if you're a business owner, if something happens like that, then you're going to make the wrong assumption about what you should do about that in your business. Let me give you some examples in case you guys are thinking like, what are we really talking about with these kind of things? One good example here, Nicole, is just like a really rude patient. Yeah. Like, you know, for the most part, even that our patients that are a little prickly or that are just in a lot of pain, like we can give them the benefit of the doubt. If they just have a little edge to their voice or a little short or curt with you, that's one thing. But I mean, we can really count on one hand, maybe two hands, the number of rude, just straight up dicks of people that have walked into pelvic sanity, just chip on their shoulder. They are looking for a fight. There is a huge problem with everything that we're doing. And that is an example of like a two percenter, like most people, even in their worst of times, even if they can't sit down because they can't sit because it hurts. And even if they're having the worst day, like they're not totally just rude and being just an absolute dick. So I've had this happen where the patient got back to the evaluation and I overheard her being just an absolute jerk to our front desk person. Then she had something to say about the waiting room. So I bring her back and she's now she's got something to say to me about 
Yeah, that's the person who got super pissed that you had, it was you on the phone, Jesse, like there was a man on the phone and this is just a huge problem. And I don't know why anybody would want to run their business like this. And I was like, okay, well, I'm actually the owner. <laughs> so, you know, went into that dissertation. She's still rude to me. We do part of the subjective history. And before we even get started, she's like, what are you even going to do here? And she just was just frankly, just a big bitch. And I just said to her, I was like, you don't have to be here. We can totally stop this right now. And in fact, I would be happy to stop this evaluation right now because it just seems that we have just not gotten off on the right foot here. And if we're going to about to go do a pelvic floor exam, like I really need this to be a better energy in here for this really intimate evaluation. And whatever, the end of the story is that she back down a little bit, but we didn't see her again. I did finish the eval. I gave it to her. And then we were like, you know what? I really don't think this is the best place for you to be. But that was an example of someone like, I have never had someone be that just blatantly rude to me all the way up until we're in like the the exam room. And so again, just identifying that. And think about, right, we have the ability now, having been in business for a while and being confident in what we do, to be okay recognizing, hey, that's a two percenter. But if you don't, what happens? Well, you start apologizing for all those things, right? I'm so sorry you were uncomfortable that a male voice answered the phone. I'm so sorry that you didn't like the decor in the lobby. I'm so sorry there was somebody, there was a crying baby as you walked by. I am so sorry that your doctor didn't tell you a little bit more about what we're going to be doing. I'm sorry that I look young. And then here, do you want to see my diplomas? And here's this course that I took from Herman and Wallace back in 2007 that says that I know what I'm doing, right? And what is that just doing? That's just perpetuating that whole problem. And it's not like you're going to apologize enough to that person that they're going to finally be like, cool, never mind. Actually, make it make a complete about face and be totally awesome and normal. Right. So it's just about recognizing that and then being okay with saying no and holding your ground. In that case, actually pushing away. Like we do not have to, like no one told you you had to come here. Like it's, it's, it's just fine with us if you want to leave. We've had a couple of people like that on the phone too, who I've, you know, had somebody who, you know, was a, thought he was a big shot lawyer and calls up for his daughter and is, you know, and there's like, oh my gosh, those prices are so expensive. I was like, first of all, if you're a big shot lawyer and you think 185 is expensive, like, what do you charge again? But right in the early on, we would have gotten super defensive. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. I know it's really, it's difficult for some folks. You know, if you do need a, a hospital-based program, it's like, actually, it is significantly underpriced. We're probably going to be raising our prices in the next couple months. So you might want to get in now or you can go somewhere else. Silence, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, when can I get her in? Yeah. Right. And it's just having that confidence and recognizing like, hey, this is among the weirdest two percent of conversations that I've had on the phone. And that just comes with those reps. But a lot of times we just start going down these rabbit holes and it takes up so much of our mental time and energy. Another really good example is someone who really wants if you run a cash based or an out of network practice. Oh, hey, can you just fill out this one form for me for my insurance? I'm not really good at this stuff. It says it had to be you. And now all of a sudden you end up being caught in this web of you sent in this form and then they reject it. And then you, they want you to call their, whoever the person is, the shill on the phone who rejects everybody. Yeah. What do they call that? I don't even know. I've made it a point to not to care. To not know, right? <laughs> Here's another good example, right? Is a lot of times we feel a little bit, some kind of way about raising prices, especially when we've had some longtime patients who may have been part of a second price raise. Yeah. 
or who may have you know been with us at the very beginning. We certainly felt this when we were starting off. We set our prices too low, as most practices do when you start. Especially, I mean, Nicole had a six-month wait list, and we weren't raising prices or even thinking about it. Gosh, looking back at that, I'm like, what were we thinking? Isn't that crazy? Gracious. Um, but you know, one of the reasons we didn't want to is that you had had some people who followed you over from another place, and you were worried about raising prices and what they would feel about that. And it's just when we ever we start catering to that smaller group. Another good example of this is with your schedule. And this isn't necessarily that it's a bad thing, but there are some people who can only come in on certain days and times. And that may or may not work with what you want for the business. So if you want to be done at three o'clock so you can pick your little one up from school and you've got a patient who calls and says, I can only come in at five o'clock, you have a decision to make. And early on in your practice, you might be really tempted to break that boundary and come in late and see them. Or we've had a lot of people in our mentorship program who are like, well, I, I feel like I have to be in there multiple evenings a week to help those people. Or I can't just not work on Friday. What if there's somebody who can only come on Friday? And that's where, too, we can start to really nudge the bound our own boundaries in order to cater to that person. And for some people, that might be something to consider, right? Do you want to be open one day later? However, if you've made the decision to be done at three, because that's one of the advantages of running your own practice, then you can't do it even one time for that person, because then what are you saying? Then you're just kicking the can down the road, right? So they so you say, fine, I'll do your evaluation at five one day. Well, guess what? Now that person, now you know them more. Now you want to help them more. And now it's like, well, I'll just do it for that one person for 12 visits or whatever. It's three months out of your time. Then you there's creep. Then it's like, well, I'm already there on Friday, so I might as well add someone at four. And now all of a sudden you're working until six o'clock on a day that you only wanted to work till 3 p.m. for this small percentage of person that can't do anything with their schedule or, quite frankly, is not willing to do anything with their schedule to make it fit to work with you. Yeah. Again, it's not that anybody's wrong in that situation. Some people do have schedules where they literally can't come in on a certain time or they can't commit to a certain day and time because their schedule fluctuates every week. But does that mean that we have to then bend over backwards to accommodate that person with the difficult schedule? I would argue in this podcast, the answer is no. And you can, again, run your business how you want and make it work for you. But if you are constantly figuring out a way to say yes to everybody, it's not saying yes to everybody, it's saying no to yourself and what you want to be doing and saying yes to everybody else. And like Nicole said, that just starts to creep. Oh, I can get this one person in on a five o'clock. That's all I'll do. And then, well, you're going to have somebody sure as shit. As soon as you say that, you're going to have somebody call the next week and can only do that at the same time. And you're like, well, now I got to open another day or now I got to be in on Saturday or now my Saturday has to really expand. And well, now I might as well come in on a Sunday. It's going to be for a two hour appointment. And now all of a sudden, like you've got a business that you don't even recognize. It's not why you started your own practice. Or you're doing something like hiring somebody too early to accommodate for this too and not realizing what a big decision that is. So there's a lot of creep that can happen with this. And I guess the biggest thing to realize is, is, is this an outlier to either your boundaries or in the bigger picture. Yeah, and it's just a couple more examples so you guys can see this in a, in a couple different settings. So you've had like as a clinician, that patient who's really just rude or challenging or just clearly doesn't want to be there. There's also people who just don't want to respect the rules of the clinic or your process of somebody who has a huge problem that you have a cancellation fee. 
somebody who has who refuses to call the front desk and instead has your phone number and wants to text you like those kind of things we have to step back for a second and just say like that's not normal like 98% of our people don't do that right or another one that we sometimes have is that you know we give our staff gives out their email address to make sure that there's a, a better line of communication so there's small percentage, but still a handful of people that will try to cancel an appointment or do scheduling changes to the therapist when we've said multiple times, like, this is how we need to do it. You need to go that all that needs to go through the front desk. And then so that's a good example of not just telling your therapist like, oh, can you just do it that one time? Or she's so busy that she really can't call the front desk, right? There's email, there's all kinds of other options, but you get some people sometimes that are just trying to push the limits of what the rules are. And sometimes whether they realize it or not, that's what they're doing. And we just can't have that. Another example is if someone, you know, in Southern California, you know, we're still wearing masks as for COVID because we're one-on-one with people so close and stuff. And I'm sure one day, hopefully that will go away. But right now we're still doing it. And about 40 to 50% of people probably think it's stupid, but most people just put it on. We provide masks for people. They don't have a problem. We've had one person that was, you know, making a huge scene in the lobby about why you guys still doing this. And this is so ridiculous and all the things when we were just like, well, this is our policy. So if you're not going to be able to be comfortable wearing a mask in your session, then you're not going to get a session today. (laughs) But to know that we can have that conversation because that behavior was part of that 2%. And if we would have started to worry about making an exception for her or all of these other things or or maybe changing our mask policy, actually, should we? That one person got so mad and should we change it? It's like, no, we're going to change it when we want to freaking change it. Well, the funny part about that one, so like the day after we kicked that person out, she's out the club. We had two people later that afternoon who came in and came up to us specifically and just said, hey, I just want to tell you how much we appreciate who hadn't seen the whole scene, just totally isolated, right? We'll come up and said like, hey, I just want to tell you, I really appreciate that you guys are still being so diligent about masking. My mother has a health issue. My daughter can't be vaccinated. And it's just, you're not seeing that silent majority because we're always focusing on that squeaky wheel, right? So I guess really the point of this podcast is stop giving grease to that damn squeaky wheel. Yeah, man. Like get another wheel, like get it out. (laughs) Another really good example is it's always fries me. We see this a lot in the, the entrepreneurs group. And again, it's not a bad question, but we get so many people who ask like, oh, should I do a payment plan? And whenever you ask it, like inevitably, 95% of their patients have no problem at all with the system. And they get one question about payment plan. And what does that lead to? It leads to hours of researching this. Can I sign up for care credit? What does that look like? How do I actually do this? What are the payment things on a payment plan? What do I do if I have to send somebody to collections? Because I did all of this stuff. And it's just like, that was one patient and they already have a payment plan. They have two options for a payment plan. Actually, they have a credit card, which is a form of payment plan, guys. And you have the ability to spread your visits out. And there are going to be, especially if you were in a cash practice, we've talked about this a lot of times before, you are saying no to some people in whatever setting you're in. If you're in a hospital setting, you're saying no to some people. If you're in a cash practice, you're saying no to some people. If you're doing a mobile practice, you're saying no to some people. Like we have to realize that we can't be everything to everybody. And the sooner we can do that, the more time we can get back, the less mental energy we're spending on these two percenters, 
that really take up a disproportionate amount and they can really sap our energy drain talk about burnout dealing with that and having that kind of negative energy around is is a big thing yeah well and i think that if you guys some all of you people that are are parents you see this like if you give into if you give into that behavior right what happens it's not like that stops <laughs> you're just perpetuating it so i think if you can think about it like that too It's the same thing when someone's essentially throwing an adult version of a tantrum with, you know, they're saying something, they've got something to say about this policy, they've got, they don't want to follow this rule, they don't want to go on the patient portal, they don't want to give us their credit card to put on file, like, they're trying to push back on what the rules and the policies are, and if we give in to them, then we're just perpetuating that and kicking the can down the road for either a bigger problem or a policy change that doesn't serve your business well. So I hope that that is helpful for you guys and gives you some things to think about. If you can identify anybody who is in that 2% right now, who's causing you angst, if you can see that when people are coming in, and it is hard. Like when you guys are starting off, it's difficult. You don't have, just like when you're first seeing patients, you don't have that pattern recognition. But as you keep going, as you get more reps, I want you guys to be able to trust that sense a little bit more of like, this is weird. Like 98% of people don't have a problem with this. And then why would I cater to that 2%? So if you guys have stories about this, I'm sure some of you guys have a story about a 2%er. We would love to hear it. Please let us know. Reach out. We always want to keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise.